Hi, I'm Tom Power. Welcome to Toy Heart, a podcast about bluegrass. This is the last episode of season two here from Nashville is my conversation with Allison Krauss. I remember, you know, the first time I looked out in the audience and saw people singing words to our songs that only we had recorded. That was just a really crazy moment. Just never thought it would end up being there. Never thought we'd hear back from Rounder. Yeah. Never thought we would hear from Rounder in the first place. If this is your first time listening, you can hear full interviews with Jerry Douglas, Allison Brown, Bela Fleck, Larry Sparks, Jody Stecker, and so many more wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Later on. Okay, it's Basic Folk, Honest Conversations with Folk Musicians. I'm Cindy House. Today on the podcast, we have Ethan Gruska, who you may or may not be familiar with. He was in an indie-ish band with his sister Barbara called the Bell Brigade. Um, if you saw Ray LaMontagne in 2016... They opened for him and then were his backing band. Um, and he has many other claims to fame, which we definitely will get into throughout the podcast. But first, let's thank our sponsors on Basic Folk. Basic Folk receives support from McDean, songwriters who love each other. McDean would be delighted to send you a free CD of their first EP, The Sampler Plate. Email lin at mcdean.co, lin at mcdean.co to get one. Basic Folk is supported financially and emotionally by motivational life coach Janet Forrest. Janet works with individuals with big dreams who need support and accountability to get moving. Visit JanetForrest.com to learn more. Mention Basic Folk and you will receive 25% off your first month of coaching. In 2017, Ethan Gruska put out his solo debut album called Slow Motionary. It was gorgeous, cinematic mystical, just transformative, and a very helpful record for me personally that year. It was such a, a gorgeous album. Um, so I'm so psyched to have him on the podcast. Again, he was in the band The Bell Brigade with Barbara, and since then that band has ended. Uh, life has consisted of returning back to the piano. The Bell Brigade was very guitar-driven, not that he doesn't play the guitar in his solo work, uh, but the piano, his original instrument, also concentrating on his solo work, that gorgeous album, Slow Motionary, and also something new in the future that we don't know exactly when it will be released. Uh, and producing albums. He co-produced Phoebe Bridger's debut record that uh, came out in 2017. We touch upon topics ranging from uh, his mother's stroke, which happened right after Ethan was born, and oh man, they made this like NBC made this like after school special type of movie about that, which we like get right into. And it's like so bizarre. Actually, I'll link that on my website, cindyhouse.net. Um, also, by the way, his grandfather is the composer conductor John Williams, which we talk about. Uh, and also Ethan is like really interested in magic tricks. Um, so of course, we talk about that. I try to get Ethan to explain how his music is so good uh, but uh, I, we just kind of like come to the conclusion that the world is a mystery and life is beautiful 
or something like that. This is a fun conversation. Glad you're here to listen to it. We're going to check out one of his songs from Slow Motionary, and then we'll get into our conversation with Ethan Gruska. Here is The Valley on Basic Folk. I'm driving through the valley My whole childhood was here Early memories of my family Mom and Dad were still together for the first couple years I remember just barely I never really cared and I still don't Tell the truth, but if childhood defines you, can it ever be behind you? Hmm. So I want to start asking you about the story of what happened to your mom when you were born. Sure. Yeah. Um. So she had a stroke when I was born, and I'm sure it was induced by labor. Um. She always likes to tell me because she's sweet that. It would have happened to her at some point, and the fact that she was in the hospital, you know, is that I saved her life. I think I nearly killed her, Um, and she made a full 100% recovery, which was, like, pretty miraculous. Um, But, yeah, she she struggled for the first year of my life, Um, and I've never had feelings about that because I was too young, but I'm sure it was, it's a part of me. Does that have any further effect on your family, that story? Uh, I think it, for everybody, it just was, you know, for my older sister, who was like seven at the time, f- totally traumatic. For my dad, very traumatic. It was, you know, it was just a complete emergency, you know, and I think that changes the fabric of your DNA. When you just go through something like that, you just, you become stronger in many ways, but then you also probably become more skittish and just nervous that shit like that is going to happen. Um, yeah, I saw that. There, NBC made a movie. Yeah, I don't, have you ever seen it? I saw it when I was a kid. I mean, I it's the that is truly the weirdest yeah, aspect I, of my whole I, life. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that because they didn't change the first names of your family members. That honestly, I couldn't talk about it because I like I haven't seen it. I don't even know where to find it. It's on YouTube. Is I'll, it really? I'll send you the link. Please, please do or please don't. Like Better? I almost don't want to hear. Yeah. I, I know that they changed certain stuff and it like they made everything much more dramatic than it was in in its sort of tv way like interpersonal relationships you know Mm. like i don't think we're apparently we're not accurate but they they sort of took like the general arc of what happened and then but who knows how that that i i I almost forget that that is even a thing yeah it's i've watched i didn't watch the whole thing because it's like three hours long (laughs) and it's very like early 90s sort Mm -hmm. of you know like Mm -hmm. it's i don't think it did well even then, and it definitely wouldn't have aged well from what I remember. Well, what's interesting about it is that there are, like, some pretty significant actors in it. Like, Mara right. Wilson right. plays your sister. Yes. And your dad is played by, I can't remember the guy's name, this Cole. Uh, the guy from, like, Office Space. The guy that's like, I'm going to have to have you come in oh on my God, Saturday. No way. Is that really? Yeah. That's my dad? Yeah. He's my father? <laughs> oh, my God. The Office Space guy. Wow. Um... Also, I'm wondering about knowing that story about your mom make you feel differently about your worth when you were a little kid in terms of the fact that, like, she went through so much to get you here so that must mean that, like, you're, you deserve good things. Mm. Um, I mean, that would be a nice way of looking at it. For me, it's, 
for me, the way that I always think about it is I tend to err more towards the side of what does that mean for me, like, as a soul to maybe have not had my mom around immediately when I was born. Mm. Um, and so sometimes, not really a lot, but sometimes I'll think, like, I wonder how that plays into my sort of molecular thought process and just my maybe my anxieties or thing, things like that. Um, I, it's kind of not worth it to me to think about because it it's something that I'll never be able to get access to because mm-hmm. you know, there's no memory. It's all speculative. So it's you just don't like, have the statistics. Oh, we don't have the yeah. statistics, and it's just like it's almost pointless. But I, I, I do really believe that everything at that time like is a part of you. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to think about. But I don't really, I don't really know. It's like a, a t- something that's always going to be mysterious to me, which I kind of I like to think about that. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah, um, yeah, we could probably go on. I would. That. I mean, honestly, it's interesting. Like I, I, I probably should think about it more. Um, but it's sort of, because she made, like, a full recovery, it sort of, like, almost gets, like, glossed over. I mean, it's such a huge part of her life, I think. But even, I don't know, like, there have been more significant things even in her life, you know, than that. I it's, mean, like, not her identity. No, not at all. I mean, it's it's a part of her for sure, but it, she doesn't claim that as, like, a huge part of her identity. Mm. And um, she, yeah, she's she's such a, a tr- beast. I mean, she's had a really crazy life and she's always survived it. So It'd be interesting to have a conversation with her. Oh, you, you you absolutely should. She has some really crazy stories about being in the coma and basically having like not telepathic experiences, but experiencing experiences where she felt like she could hear what people were thinking in the room, you know. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Um okay, so your dad Jay Griska is a songwriter who's worked on multiple projects composing for film, TV. He's won a lot of awards for his songwriting, and it seems like he's always done different things with his musical talent. So in what kind of ways do you see parallels between you and your dad? So parallel. He's such a talented guy, and he he started making his own records, and then started writing songs for other people and then started producing songs for other people and producing records for other people and then finally landed in film scoring which is where he had his most sort of personal success but um, that's sort of like almost exactly what I've done I started making my own records and then writing songs for other people and then producing other people and I would love to I actually just scored a a film a a documentary and um, so it's it's it makes me laugh like it it's sort of <laughs> fate in that way, but probably just because I he just worked really really hard, and I always watched that, and it's probably sunk into me like that because he was so uh, not one dimensional. It was maybe like maybe makes me feel like I'm able to do stuff that I've never tried. I don't know. Um, I want to talk about your grandfather, sure, um, John Williams. Mm-hmm. We're in Boston, so yeah. it's very significant. Totally, he's like a. He's, he's the dude here. Yeah, he's so the dude. Um, so you once said about John Williams, your grandfather, that he once told you that all my musical inspiration comes from things other than music, so he looks to nature books, poetry for his creative spark. What kind of impression did that make on you? Um, yeah, I, I think when I was like 16, I 
hung out with him, which was kind of we would see each other occasionally, but it was it was rare because he's so busy and like he's a very private guy. Um, but when we you know hung with him and sort of was like, you know, what can I do to be a better musician? You know, what what is your advice to an aspiring composer? Uh, which was it's such a weird thing to be. You're like, I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> yeah, seriously, it's just it's bizarre that he's even that that I, you know, the, the connection because he's, you know, a titan of what he does. So, mm-hmm. it, it it that is not lost on me. Um, but he uh, basically was like, you have to. I mean, he's funny. Like I remember one of the cards that he wrote me for my birthday was like, you know patience it's like rigor like this very like antiquated (laughs) language of like this like old adage of like but it's you know that's his what's his penmanship like beautiful he i mean he's like it's it's like a symphonic yeah absolutely it's it it is the penmanship of a composer (laughs) you know it's like and and everything about him is like that it's just it all manifests in the way that you would imagine i mean my wife said something really true about him which is that he is the type of mind that if it wasn't music, I think it would have been something else that he would have been pretty masterful at. He's like just, high, he just operates on a higher he's level. He's just like on some weird trip. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I think that, that had a big impact on me, just him hearing somebody say that once you get past a certain point of ability, then where do you draw from? It's not necessarily just all other music. So like, mm-hmm. just be a rounded human, you know? I think that's what what it really means. Um, do you, you watch his films? Totally. Yeah. Do you have a favorite? E.T. I think. Oh, duh. Okay. I mean, well, well <laughs> the way that you looked at me yeah. when you said E.T., you were like, uh, E.T. <laughs> no, no, not like it's obvious. I just, I just like that that score paired with that movie just like makes me emotional. He's such an interesting guy, and and he, you kind of, his music speaks louder than than he does. That music in particular really reminds me of, like, most deeply of who he is. Uh, What kind of music was resonating with you growing up, and who was bringing you the good stuff? Mm. Definitely my sister Barbara bringing me the good stuff. She opened up my world for years in a row, you know? I grew up, my, my family is like a Beatles, like Paul Simon, James Taylor family, you know, like just just really good, solid song, tunes and yeah. songwriting. I want to talk about Paul Simon, he was a big deal for you. Yeah. I want to talk about the album that, what your like go-to mm-hmm. is. Most likely it's Graceland, but I would, mm-hmm. I'm interested regardless in like what drew you to his sound. It probably is Graceland just because that's the first one that like got me in because and how, just, old, how old were you do you think it was in my mom's car like for like 10 years like that was just like always in <laughs> slot five you know what I mean like she had one of those six cd things so um but uh I was probably like 12 when I first I heard I remember hearing that record and it not it not connecting with it as a kid oh yeah because it just like sonically wasn't as like clean as what I liked as a kid it's very clean in hearing it now but it like was like a kid of the 90s and everything mm. was like so sheeny and polished in the universe this is so. not third eye blind yeah exactly this is not some 41 <laughs> um, but, but uh 
maybe when I was like 14 or 15, Graceland, just some, it just, that song just mm. like clicked and I was like, oh shit, this is, this is the best thing ever. And so that for me probably is a record, but I, I really love Rhythm of the Saints. I really love hit two records ago, um, So Beautiful, So What. Oh yeah. I think that is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I also love Still Crazy. Um, I love every one of his records. Have you ever seen any like interviews or documentaries with Paul Simon? Yeah, he's he's, he's super weird. He's he's a heavy dude. Like he's his uh, his energy is hard to like sort of pick up on for me. Mm. Yeah, know, I, I don't know who he is. It's like the the old adage of just listen to the music. Don't yeah. get to know that person. Yeah, I don't. I don't even. I don't want to because it's like <laughs> it's just like I'm such. It's he has such a glory and mystery in my mind and mm. it's just like i'm Let's just like keep it. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah yeah i just love how i know him now you and your sister barbara were in the bell brigade um what was your relationship growing up and how did it evolve uh as you became adults um growing up we didn't necessarily get along we weren't like always at odds with each other but we 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 oftentimes would were like not at the same house at the same time and like I was six and a half years younger. I was just, and I, you know, we just, it it didn't click until I was maybe like 16 or 17. And then she just became my best friend. Just like so supportive of me, taught me so much, just taught me like how to be a a person, you know? And, and, and I, I still feel just like so much love for her for that. And she, she really took care of me emotionally. And, and then we started working together every day and remain really close friends and, you know, we just don't work together anymore. But, you know, we spent a long time doing one thing. And both of us were just sort of like, got to open the world up. But, you know, we, we've, we've always been close since then. Um, playing music with your sister, can mm-hmm. you describe what that was like for you? Yeah, I mean, like I said, she taught me so much. She was already playing in great bands in L.A. and touring when, we, when she invited me to play with her. And so, you know, I remember the first couple rehearsals that we would have, like, trying out our songs, you know, she would be, like, really honest. Like, you, you, when you are playing like that and you're rushing or you're dragging, you know, like, all these things that, like, are super important to me and, and how, how I hear, she just was really instrumental in that. And, um, I mean, it's just crazy playing with somebody that shares a history with you because it just, like, manifests in a... You know, you just get that weird sibling stuff. Synergy. It, it locks. <laughs> it The harmonies feel uniquely phrasing, mm. connected, you know, all that stuff. So it's awesome. I miss playing with Barb. I, she actually is playing a little bit on my new record, and she just kills it. It's There's a new new record? Yeah, there's a new one that I'm just finishing. I'm not ready for it. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> it's super different. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so the Bell Brigade sounds really different than your solo material, at least like that we know of so far with your one solo record. <laughs> totally. um, can you just briefly describe the sound of the Bell Brigade and then um, what caused the shift into what you sounded like on Slow Motionary? Yeah. Um, the, the Bell Brigade is like all about just sort of energy and pep you know it's like we were we were young and we were just excited we were it sounds it sounds really excited to me Mm. now in a good and a bad way because (laughs) of course when you're looking at your own stuff it's like you judge yourself harder than anything but 
I hear like a lot of earnestness and eagerness. And I think that to me isn't as like cool or like necessarily what I want to hear anymore. But I look back on it and like love that we were both just like gleefully trying, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, those records I feel like are have some awesome songs and some we had great friends who played amazingly on it. So I'm proud of those records. They're just um, they. I wanted to like make a, a big shift, mm. which is why I made the really sparse, arrhythmic, slow motionary stuff, um, and that felt not more like not like a shift, more just like that's how I started. Like the songs that I wrote when I was really young, like fifteen and sixteen, they were kind of like those. Mm-hmm. So the Bell Brigade felt more like a shift in my own writing mm. than slow motionary did for me as oh, like a, as a. Yeah. As a writer. Have you ever considered life coaching? It's a thing that is happening. And I've got a great person to recommend to you. Janet Forrest, who you may have heard, sponsored at the beginning and end of Basic Folk. It's coaching by Janet Forrest. You can go to her website, JanetForrest.com. Myself, I've done some sessions with her and found that she is a great listener. She is a great person to hold you accountable and help you move forward in your professional life in order to be a happier and more positively functioning person in the workplace. I think that's a very powerful thing. A powerful gift is to be able to work with someone who you can say, like, all of these frustrations are happening with me, and Janet has the tools and the vocabulary to name what's happening to you and help you create a plan to move forward. JanetForrest.com to find out more. Mention Basic Folk, you get 25% off of your sessions. JanetForrest.com. You say that making your record slow motionary, a lot of art inspired that record that didn't require a huge attention span, but commanded a lot of attention, which is kind of like what you came up with in song form like you were looking for a short thing that could patch pack a punch mm-hmm. um can you talk about the frankness of your songwriting and how those different inspirations made it onto the record it's really hard to i feel like it i can try i don't i don't really like i think it's just what comes naturally to for me to be up front i'm not very i'm not a very good liar you know, I, I'm not, I'm really, I'm actually terrible at it. Like I can't, I can barely keep it a secret at all. And so it's like in life, I mean, and so. It sounds like you're almost, it's almost funny. <laughs> it's, uh, there, I have a story too where like I was at my friend's house when I was like five or something and he, he like went into his brother's safe and like I took like two dollars in change and I remember my coming back to the car. My sister was in the back seat, and she just she just saw my face and immediately knew that somehow she knew that I had like taken something. But it's just like <laughs> I've never been able to just like I don't know. It's either that I'm a bad actor or a bad liar. I'm glad I am, but um, I just feel like with songs, like I can't pull off a character. I'm trying trying more and more because I love I love I'm obsessed with writers that can do that. But it's really hard for me because I just feel like. It's a confidence thing, you know? Like, you have to, like, own whoever you're being. And I think as I get older, that gets easier. But in in younger years for me, I don't think it would have been possible. Hmm. Um, I find so much wisdom in your songs and wondering 
I don't know if this is an easy question to answer, but where do you think that comes from in you and how have you like cultivated that wisdom and you're so just so profoundly able to transform that into your songs? Thank you so much. I, I, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> all, all I can say is I appreciate that because I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I could. A lot of times the stuff that I hear back or I'm proud of that I think, oh, that is that has some value, those words, I think that they kind of, I don't even realize they do the moment they happen, you know, like there's something about writing where like, for me, where, I don't know, it's it's really a weird thing, it's mm. like, a, it's hard for me to it seems like describe. it can be a very like mystical process. It's, it feels a little mystical to me for sure, because why would sometimes I would have something cool to say and sometimes not, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I'm, I can think about the same thing anytime I want, but it will mean something very different to me. You know, it's just, it's just so, timing is so weird that when something wise comes out and you can grab it, maybe I, I feel like I'm, I'm, can be pretty patient when I'm writing. Mm. Songs can take me a year. I think so maybe sometimes people won't sit around on it that long. So maybe that's a good thing. Mm. But uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, you talked about Tony Berg. Uh, working with you on slow motionary Um, and Tony seems to have been very generous with his time and he gave you it seems as much studio time as you wanted no totally yes yeah no I'm I'm shaking my head not as a no but as like uh, he's he he's a total um angel to me can you talk about maybe what that means for somebody trying to make a record who just like has endless amounts of studio time well, it, l- let me put it this way. It wasn't endless because basically I, w- I would get in there whenever he had the time. So it wasn't like we, he was like, all right, you take it. We're done when we're done. It's, it's been more like that now because we work together and we, we have a relationship where we are you know, partners on, on things. But um, that, was, that was what was great about it was that it ended up taking a long time because that were that was the only way to get in those windows but that taught me that it's like it's good to have the gaps between and I think it's a bad thing if somebody has endless time in a row on a record I think that that is Mm. a a recipe for shooting yourself way in the foot but if you have endless time on a record in chunks I think that's awesome (laughs) because because then you have time to go god this is not right or or listen to something that happened a long time ago. Shit, why did we change that? You know, so and that's kind of Tony's way. Like he's always jumping around and has like a lot going on, and it can seem a little bit frazzled. But then always by the end of the project, you're like, wow, I'm really happy it happened that way. I'm really happy that it was just like in this not in this weird like scheduled chunk, but just in this like super frenetic hmm. way. Um, you've, you've been producing some records. Um, you co-produced Phoebe Bridgers with Tony. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's just so incredible. I just, yeah, I just kind of want to hear what you have to say about what it was like to work with her on her debut record and maybe what you learned about yourself during that process. So much. I mean, still, still learning because it's the first, not only is it the first, was it the first record that I ever got that kind of a title on, a producer? But it's also the first record that I've ever been a part of that has had that kind of success. Mm. And so 
watching her keep going with it and then doing other projects and just rolling has been a huge learning experience for me as an artist and as as somebody that still works with her. I mean, we're, we're working on some new stuff and uh, she's amazing. She's just an incredible songwriter. I always sort of feel like, you know, I'm really proud of all the stuff that I added on her record and um, I feel like I did good stuff. But, you know, Phoebe is great. Like, she would be great in any frame, you know. And I feel like that's sort of what I did and sort of what I have, am learning about production is that you're just sort of helping create the, the frame around the beautiful art that is there, that they make. Mm-hmm. And I think that it was, I don't know, it's, it's, it was enormous learning experience and enormously lucky that I was asked to be a part because, mm-hmm. you know, it, it just hel- has helped me in so many ways. So I'm, that's a big big moment for me um let's talk about Blake Mills yeah um what is your connection to him biggest fan (laughs) seriously biggest fan he's awesome he is so brilliant and my connection for the better part of however long we've known each other has been fan and peripheral friend Mm. and then um as I've worked more with Tony Tony is Blake's mentor as well and Tony and Blake now run Sound City Studios in Los Angeles, which is like this super historic, great studio. They run it together, and I'm basically there every day working with Tony, and so I see Blake a lot more now, and I just it's amazing to be working on a project, whether it's my own or producing other stuff, and then walk into the other room and hear what he's doing because it's equally disturbing and incredible because and, and inspiring because you mm-hmm. walk in and you're like, ooh, man, he is on, he is light years ahead of everybody. In terms of his producing or his guitar playing? It's just everything. Everything. He's just, he's such a, he's such a, an alien, you know? He's just like, you know, I like to do magic tricks. I like to do card tricks and stuff, and... Did you want to be a magician when you grew up? I did want to be a magician. But one <laughs> one time I was doing a magic trick for Blake, and and it was like one of my more... T- I was like trying to impress him, you know, because he's just, you know, I want to... He's, he's, I'm a fan of his. I love him. <laughs> but uh, he, um, he, I was showing him a trick, and then he was like, oh, that was really good. That was that was really sick. And then he was like, okay, give me the deck of cards. And he just looked at the deck of cards, and he, and he goes, okay, think of a card. I thought of a card, and then he just told me the card. Which is, is not a trick. I mean, that is, like, serious clairvoyance. And I just, it's just, like, that's my favorite thing about him because he, he just, he has a magical ability to, mm. like, channel. And he does it so well with his music. So um, first fan, then friend, then more and more colleague, and, and he's worked a lot on my record. He's played on every record that I've ever made. Mm. Um, Sounds like he's really in your head too. If he was able to guess, he's that. very in my head. Yeah. and and I'll keep him there because it <laughs> I, I grow from that. What do you like about the art of an album versus like a you know singles? Um, what do you appreciate about the opportunity to have someone's attention for an entire record? Um, I prefer that when it's my own thing. Though I know that like now it's hard to. I mean, I, I find myself not listening to a lot of albums. Well, I guess, like, regardless of that, yeah, you know. Yeah, just what, 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 what do, do you I... like about it, you Okay, know? totally. You um, don't have to talk about it, you know. If it's, like, a single or something, I like, you know, I, I, 
it, it's just it's because I love the song. Or I love the. It's just the single is just like it. I just love what it is. Mm-hmm. With the record, I usually like. Um, I just like when it can hold me, you know, and then keep keep. I mean, I'm very skittish with my attention, so um, I love when records can keep me really engaged. But not all of them can do that. So I even love records that just have a tone, like a movie. Mm. You know, they just have. I like variety too. You know, I don't. I don't like when records are samey. I like a lot of different colors, but I also like a, an underlying thing. I mean, I guess I, I that applies to everything for me. I like um, asymmetry a lot. Can you recall an early record or maybe just any record that like has kind of struck you in its completeness? Yeah, I think um, I think Talking Book is an unbelievable record, Stevie Stevie Wonder. Um, that I, the only problem with that record is that it starts with um, "You Are the Sunshine of My Life," which is a great song, and it's like and it's so sweet and it's beautiful and everything, but it's a little bit like. It's one of his more sort of like kitschy songs to me. Mm-hmm. Um, like if the record didn't start with that, mm. it would just be like, oh my God, it's yeah. like exactly my taste. Yeah, it seems like that song, I think I agree with you on that tune. Like, It's wonderful. It's, it's just... But it's like a certain... I love talking about this. It's uh, like a certain type of manipulation in a song that doesn't work for some people. It, it, it has a little bit of a pandering in there like... Where it's like trying to be this like sweet sort of like, I mean, look, if I had written that song, I'd be stoked. <laughs> we probably wouldn't I, be sitting I would here. Be, right we, now. We'd be sitting at the Ritz Carlton. <laughs> I, no, I mean, like I, I would, I, I can't knock it. I love it. Yeah. It's just like it doesn't make the record more perfect to me. It actually sort of detracts a little bit. But um, let me th- think. Uh, Blake's first record, I think, is a oh cool, a, a pretty perfect record. Yeah. Um, Rubber Soul, that's a perfect record. Oh well, yeah, that's a pretty good one. That's a good one. Yeah. I mean that that has that thing where it's just like every song is super different, but then at the end of the day, it's it's a Beatles record. I mean, it's silly to like even mention them because <laughs> of course they're the best. Yeah, there's like certain artists when you're in conversation with people, when, well at least for me, like when people ask me like you know, uh, what's your favorite music? It's like. Do I have to say Bob Dylan and yeah, Johnny Cash right. and Joni Mitchell and you know, totally. Nina Simone and Aretha Franklin? Because like, don't don't yeah, we all love built-in shit? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, you know what? Another really really big one for me is Elliot Smith. Mm. I think Either Or is a pretty perfect record. I love Figure Eight too. I love EXO. I love all of his records. Mm. He's a pretty major dude for me as well. Is there something you could say to growing up in Los Angeles and being an Elliott Smith fan that, that maybe resonates maybe. more with you? Yeah, maybe so. Um, I mean, it's it's awesome to be able to walk by that wall, you know, the figure they eight fix wall. They it? I think they did fix it. Um, they also, they made it like, a, like a, like it's like part of a, like an establishment now. It's like called the figure eight bar or something. And maybe mm. it's not around anymore. I actually don't know. But um, but yeah, it's it's still there. And they, they took off all the weird like graffitis that had happened Sweet. on there. But um, I think that it definitely is. Uh, yeah, it's cool to know that he was like 
he, he was a part of it all there. And it's cool to know people that knew him that can tell me about, like, what he was like beyond the sort of uh, mystique of, like, his story. Seems like just based on, like, watching interviews and documentaries that he was, like, a very funny, pleasant person. I think that, like, the sort of... And, like, even in, like, the 33 and a third book about XO, um, I I just like people who, like, try to remind that yeah his music was really sad and he was obviously a troubled dude but like he also like uh, yeah he had such a bright side too obviously I think yeah I, I don't want to speculate because I, I don't know but yeah like I, I I think that I don't know sad music like I kind of it always bums me out when like people like talk about sad music like that man, like, that that person must be so sad, you know Mm. what I mean? Because it's, like, to me, like, that is warming to me, you Mm. know? Like, it... Yeah. It's, it's so, um... Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I think you. I'm I'm sure you feel the same. I I think most people do feel the same. It's just like a weird sort of. Well, I think it's a. What's funny is that I have a question that kind of like ties into this, but I think it's kind of like such a patriarchal Mm. point of view Mm -hmm. that like showing emotion. Yeah, me. You you shouldn't. Stoicism is more important. Right. Shit. Right. Yeah. So like. Here's the question that I had for you about that. So I read this comment about how someone could see artists, especially female artists, covering your songs. Um, so what is your opinion on, like, yeah. male sensitivity, and do you feel like society allows for men to be, like, gentle and honest? Oh, I don't know. I don't... Definitely not society. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not that they don't allow for it. It's just there's so many jerks you know just like and like I don't know like need I say more than Trump is president I mean it's like it all like manifests into this obvious thing like Mm. there's a lot of bad male energy and and being that affects me all the time thinking about that fuck man like uh I don't want to be a part of that. Have I done it accidentally? All these things, you know. It's and and for me, yeah, music is a great way for me to try to express to people that I am a man. Um, I also really want tenderness, and um, uh, you know, I want to express things that aren't stoic, you know. And so, and I think there's definitely a lot of areas for men to do that, which is great. And I think there's also areas where it's not okay, and or it's not, or it's just like you get like judged. Um, but man, I don't know. It's so. It's like I I, I don't really know how to talk about it because it's just so uh, like frustrating, mm. you know. Because it, it's the same thing of anybody. Just like people are so locked. Mm. Society locks us right. into. What about your things. experience as somebody who does? have like a gentle sound yeah I think that sometimes like I worry like yeah like I I, I worry about judgment because of that sometimes because I I worry that it maybe like pigeonholes me because that's how I feel is like I'm more dynamic than just a guy or 
you know what I mean, or, or just uh, whatever it is. So Yeah, I wonder if there was any conversation when you went from the Bell Brigade, which did sound like so excited and dynamic and very like upbeat to slow motionary, which is like completely different. Like, did anybody say like, any any comments made about about that transition? Yeah, I think I think I would like catch like a vibe of like maybe people like found it too sensitive or too sleepy or you know people. I mean, stoicism for people is really important. I mean, and I understand it. Like I understand that it's. I mean, I I try to be stoic all the time and try to be harder and. All these things, and because it's 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 protection. Mm. But then it like, I think just my. But it, that's so interesting to hear because your sound is even in the Bell Brigade, your sound is so vulnerable. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. I I think I I prefer people who wear it on their sleeves. Yeah. I, yeah. I just prefer that, and it's and it's hard. Um, like I, I wish the world was more like that. It's not, I think, most people want to or have to mm-hmm. hide it. And um, I, don't, I don't really know. I guess being my, m- m- making my contribution vulnerable hmm. is, is all I can do. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a arc in the right direction well, for humanity. I appreciate that. No problem. That's really nice. And, and um, yeah, sometimes I do get embarrassed about, you know, being too um, upfront about my sensitivity or something, but it's really nice to know that, you know, peop- that you like it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just me. <laughs> cool. Um, so uh, I do have one more question that, like, doesn't relate to that at all, and I also want to hear some details about this new record. Um, yeah, um, my uh, I, I, the one thing about it is that I don't, nobody knows that it's like done or anything. So it's well, we can it? totally we can. I mean, okay. I, it's not. I don't know when it's going to be released yet, but um, it's it's different. It's it still has vulnerability, but it's not um, sparse or mellow. Like to get to me in the picture, you have to sort of go through a little bit more of like an obstacle course yeah it is a little bit more it, it has I don't know it's it's got a lot more energy and it's a lot more rhythmic and because of like the rhythm section being more involved it creates like a different soapbox that I'm standing on you know what I mean yeah. like it it's like a it's like maybe before I was like in like a waterbed and now I'm like <laughs> now I'm you know sitting on a on the third place rung of a, <laughs> a little trophy triangle you know I, the only reason why I say that is because the record cover is me as a kid hold air I'll show you I, have, I made a shirt of it it's me like holding a trophy trying to act tough which actually kind of goes into oh our, my god our last look uh, at that lean <laughs> yeah Listeners, you should see this lean. Is that a soccer trophy? That's a soccer that can't trophy. be yours. It probably wasn't because I would have never deserved that. <laughs> I was never good at soccer. That's really funny. Yeah, so, but it actually, you know, it's funny that we were just talking about that because it is a little bit of a tougher record. Mm. And, it, and it deals with a little bit more my 
harder side, which is more not not necessarily about me wanting more of that in my life, but more coming to terms with what that is for me and almost how to use it to my advantage rather than get me into trouble and get me frustrated about my life and my relationships and all that stuff and just letting it be letting it help me be mm. in charge of my own world without being stubborn or something like that. Mm. All right, so I do this thing called the lightning round. Okay. Where I ask I'm you, terrible at stuff like this, but I'll try. Okay, great. Well, they're all about you. <laughs> okay. So, well, I'm not so you personally. not a quick guy. Okay, well, well, some of these are facts. Okay. All right, so um, we'll take a break and then come back for the lightning round. Okay. <laughs> Basic Folk is brought to you in part by Tina and Her Pony, a queer duo bringing traditional Appalachian music and vocal harmonies into the 21st century. Visit tinaandherpony.com. This episode of Basic Folk receives support in more ways than one from motivational life coach Janet Forrest, who helps individuals see their own potential, overcome obstacles, and move forward. Visit JanetForrest.com and mention Basic Folk. You'll receive 25% off your first month of coaching. And thanks to WIUP in Indiana, Pennsylvania, which airs Basic Folk 2 p.m. Eastern every Saturday. You can listen on 90.1 if you're in the Indiana, PA area or at their website, WIUPFM.org. All right, here we go. Lightning round. Ethan. Yes. Dogs, cats, or something else? Dogs. First album you bought with your own money? Stevie Wonder Best's Greatest Hits type thing. It was like, yeah, great, greatest hits. (laughs) First concert? Oh, I don't remember. I think some somebody in my class took me to the Rolling Stones at Dodger Stadium. I'm pretty sure that was my first concert. Somebody. So uh, 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 a girl in my class, her dad had tickets, and she took me to go see the Rolling Stones. I don't know if that was my first concert, but that was like the first big, first, really yeah. big concert I ever went to. Um, dream collaboration? Hmm. Debussy. <laughs> that would be a really good uh, one. But like current, somebody current. Um, it can be not current, too. Um, I would love to make something with James Blake or Bon Iver. I think they're awesome. Oh, yeah, that would be great. Favorite type of white noise? Favorite type of white noise? Pink noise? pink noise yeah like it's like a it, like if you're like doing synthesis like white noise is usually something you can dial into a sound mm-hmm. oh that's funny that that's what you mean i guess you mean like cars or rain or um, so like but like if you're on a synthesizer you can go in and that's really funny you can go in and you can choose pink noise which is like instead of that it's like more like a, it's just that like a softer good. so pink noise um we already well maybe we don't know the answer to this question beetles or rolling stones beetles Morning person or night owl? Night owl. Gibson, Martin, or Fender? I would say for for uh, acoustics, it's Gibson. And for electrics, it's Gibson. So, yeah. <laughs> 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 Flying or invisibility? Flying or invisibility. Flying. Star Trek or Star Wars? Star Wars. What did you have for breakfast today? I went to... Uh, George Howell, is that what it's called? Coffee shop? Is it around here? Yeah. Oh. It's, it's like a good coffee shop. I had like a bre- egg breakfast sandwich. Oh, very good. Okay, this is uh, a question my friend Samantha has trademarked. If you were a doll, what accessories would come in your box? Mm. I'd be a magician. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. Okay, thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Totally, that was fun. 
Uh, love that guy. I guess what struck me so much about Ethan Gruska is like his music is so emotional and I mean we talked about it a bit in the podcast about his how his music it's not necessarily like a depressing but it definitely is sensitive and filled with like the intricacies of life but then talking to him he's just like this charismatic lovely down-to-earth human being, Ethan Griska. Couldn't like him enough. Uh, all right. I want to say thanks to you for checking out the podcast today. Laura McCarthy is our producer. Lindsay Myers is our business manager. Music by Alex Stanton of Townspeople. Check out show notes at cindyhouse.net. You can subscribe to our mailing list. And also check out our Facebook page, Basic Folk Basics. I think that's it really on top of things today. Okay, we'll talk to you next week. Bye.